You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Bonjour, Grump. How are you? I, I'm i about five hours returned from my week-long trip to Paris, so I don't even know what time of night it is right now. Um, got home in time to watch game three of my lightning. We have a series again, so all you people out there, and you know who you are. We have a big series ahead of us. It's just begun. Well, I mean, and also in other sports news, um, New Jer- the New Jersey Generals have clinched a playoff spot for the USFL. <laughs> they are 7-1 and one on a seven-game winning streak. <laughs> We're all excited for that. Big game, big stuff. <laughs> I don't know how we can pay attention to anything right now. There's so much going on. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've been gone... Um, and uh, we we took the the last week off. Uh, I, I kind of want to approach the, this off season a little bit um, in more vacation mode. You know, we went really really hard for draft stuff, um, and I, I mm-hmm. thought that that was really necessary. What I don't want to do is make a ton of unnecessary content and things like the OTAs are going on, which is a high time for overreaction, um, panic, and fluff. Right. And I, I don't want to be – and there's nothing wrong with any of that and I consume it the same as everybody else. I just don't have anything to add that's any of that. I'm not going to add any panic. I'm not going to overreact and I have no insight into any fluff stories. So, Well, no. I, I think that's kind of one of the purposes why we do this podcast in the first place is we try to keep things in perspective and we try not to – You know, we want to be the opposite of what a hot take is. We want to be not a cold take but just kind of a realistic take on things and I think – OTAs are one of those things because there's nothing else going on. You know, in the absence of any news, when you hear anything, you tend to think of, what does that mean? It's the end of the world if somebody's wearing a red jersey or or something going on. So I think this is a good opportunity to kind of list. You know, the, the news is, is kind of interesting because we're in the middle of Nowheresville right now in, in early June. But let's put a real perspective of what it is. These are the first opportunity for the team with especially this year with a new coaching staff to understand how things will be run what the new culture is going to be like it's not a time for install it's not a time to prepare for any particular opponent it's to get you ready for when it's time to have real practice and real training camp what your expectations are going to be that's all this really is so you know worrying about who's hurt or not worrying about who's behind who's has more reps that's that's not the point of all this, and you shouldn't, you know, if any news leaks out, freak out at anything. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and the, the thing is, is that OTAs are positioned right after the draft when everybody thinks that they have just gotten so much better as a team, and it's your first time, it's your first time seeing those players in action and seeing the alignments you dreamed of, and and. Uh, it's your first time hearing a lot of coaches talk to the media and stuff like that. So they're responding to questions and they're giving some insight. And so any little nugget of something that they give us is something that gets extrapolated into this whole conspiracy theory with thread and pins. Um, and I just – I'm not going to be one of those people. Um, so, yeah. well, so I mean, I mean this is just going to be just kind of like a quick general wrap-up of the OTAs, really. Yeah. I mean, the purpose of this really is for rookies and guys that were signed in the offseason to learn – this is basically where I park. Hmm. This is where the facility is. This is where the practice room is. This is where, you know, my tight end room is. This is how all these things work. So you're not wasting time in August on the, the, the mechanics of doing my job. Those are the most important things trying to come out of this stuff. You know, making and getting really introduced to your position coach, getting introduced to what he expects of you, getting how he works, how he barks at you how you respond to him. It's all of that stuff to make things later on in the season run more smoothly. Which is exactly why these things are voluntary, but also encouraged when you have a brand new coaching staff. 
Sure. This is a, but that, everything you just said is a perfect wrap-up for that right there. Voluntary, but if you've got a new coaching staff, probably a good idea to be there. So the OTAs, as of this moment, have concluded. This week kicks off mandatory minicam, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. And then they believe they'll have off until late July when training camp starts. Um, and I don't believe we have any of those dates or anything like that or any information if it's open to the public, though I believe it will be. I believe it. I think I heard. I don't know if it was reported, but I think it's been leaked. I think it's been leaked. It'll be open to the public. Uh, I don't think exact dates in the schedule have not been released, although the preseason schedule did come out. And in addition to that, the Jets and Giants, I believe, are having joint practices for the preseason game. The first time since 2005 when there was a brawl. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I believe Jeremy Shockey was involved. Oh, shocker. Imagine that. <laughs> so, all right. So, in, in recapping, you know, the cranky fan's been gone. He's been in uh, on the other side of the planet I, for a little while. I've been in Francais and I've been in Lightning World, so I've been a little bit distracted. So, this is a good opportunity for me to catch up along with everybody else. So, what actually went on during OTAs? What I should take away? What I should really be worried about? What I should care about? Yeah, and and last we left, we were kind of responding to the James Bradbury. Uh, signing in Philly kind of thing. And that is a huge detriment to this roster, losing James Bradbury. Um, I do find Giants fans trying to rationalize it as him him apparently being bad last year as some kind of like dead yeah. weight is, is silly to me. But So the Giants, th- there were some roster moves, right? Let's start there. Um, in, the, in the wake of the James Bradbury thing, they added, um, let's see, five guys. Three of them are defensive backs. They added Maurice Kennedy, who was formerly a Raven with Wink Martindale, Khalil Dorsey, and Michael Jaquette, who is – I have no idea how to say his name. I, maybe that's right. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, if he's a former Eagle, um, a 2020 undrafted free agent out of Louisiana. In addition to that, they also got Henry Black, a safety, and defensive end Jalen Holmes, who's a former Viking who worked with defensive line coach Andre Patterson. Um, to make room for all of that, they released real quick. Um, quarterback Brian Lewerke is now officially gone. Safety Jordan Mosley, Trent Harris, Raymond Johnson, and Antonio Valentino. I thought were all kind of interesting ones to be released. Uh, Valentino, the old the Gator for last year, uh, defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't didn't make hardly any impact with Florida and made even less with the Giants. So, <laughs> well, he, well. He, he secured himself a decent amount of uh, guaranteed cash as a undrafted free agent signing, which is why it was somewhat surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these signings, you know, it sounds like they have prior ties to this coaching staff. Are they really more just to help with install as we get to training camp? And, you know, we're not really worrying about them for being on the actual roster in September, or is there something where these guys are going to be fighting for actual positions you know, in the final? So I, I think that there are um, there's three levels to panic signings. I think, especially with new new coaching staffs, right? There is um, the help with install guy. Those are usually vets. Those are usually seasoned vets who have been around for like four to five years. They probably worked with that same coach for three of those years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then there's the, um, we need bodies at this position. Who are some people that we're familiar with since that's all we can afford? And I think that's where guys like Maurice Kennedy come from. And, you know, maybe Michael Jaquette is somebody that they're familiar with, though they've never really worked with. Um, and you know, he's a name and he can be afforded. And then I think that there's, you know, the third level is, uh, I used to work with this guy and I really liked him and he just needs a shot. And I think that's where Jalen Holmes maybe fits in. Uh, because you know, the defensive line is not one that is, you know, razor thin with talent and they they released Raymond Johnson as one of those guys who's who's not a bad defensive lineman in any regard anyway uh as far as an undrafted free agent goes and then they went out and got Jalen Holmes um you know who was playing kind of in a 4-3 style defense with Andre Patterson in Minnesota so there had to be some reason he was taken and I have to think that he fits into that third category of he just needs a shot and he's cheap who can mm-hmm. let's just get him you know what i mean why not mm-hmm. gotcha um did you think it was 
And did and did any of those names of being released jump out to you? Raymond Johnson, Trent Not Harris, really. No, nothing really, I, right? I think you're going to see a lot of you know jostling for for making salaries fit more than anything right now. And I think uh, you know as you're trying to fortify to get ready for training camp for bodies, you know, so you have guys to finish all the reps that we need to have. So these seem to be like rearranging deck chairs to me on a on a on a, a cruise ship. Nothing. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I mean, like these bottom of the roster guys, they tend to be personal favorites of the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like talent wise, measurement wise, there's something wrong with all of them to make them bottom of the roster guys. You know, wrong with them. Not saying they can't overcome whatever it is, but there's something that makes them bottom of the roster guys, and they tend to be just you know favorites. So I always see this as like a big – like guys like Raymond Johnson were probably a favorite. Trent Harris was probably a big favorite for the prior coaching staff. Just new coaching staff. They brought in their new favorites. They're bottom of the roster guys right. and it's exactly they like you said. It's deck chairs, job. man. Anytime a new boss comes in for whether you know, you're know you a professional football coach or you are a new mayor or whatever you are, you're going to bring in your people. It's kind of like T-shirts. You're throwing out old T-shirts. You're buying new T-shirts. At the end of the day, it's still a T-shirt. You're not going to wear it out to a really nice dinner. <laughs> but but it, but it, you know, it's new T-shirts. I like this T-shirt better. I don't you're know. Gonna, you're going to wear it at your snack table in front of the TV. You're not yeah, going to wear it. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Man, we we're always killing it with analogies. Man. Oh. Best analogy game in the podcast business. <laughs> um, one little interesting nugget, uh, and I I. I said that we don't really get involved in fluff stuff but I just thought this was interesting in general as part of the interview process per Art Stapleton um, coaches like assistant coaches that were hired already such as defensive backs coach Jerome Henderson were part of the interview process for Wink Martindale hmm you know you know you and I both work in the real world this isn't our like day job this isn't our only job so I, I as far, as far as interview process goes, I feel like that's pretty interesting. You know, that's beyond collaborative. That's like, I, I, from what I was reading, it sounded like they were actively part of the interview process. Wait, I understand something. So new assistant coaches that were brought in were not hired by... Some coach. of I think some of them were already hired. They were, they were hired by the head coach, but not the defensive coordinator. So Dable had hired some assistants before a defensive coordinator. Well, that I find interesting. I think it's more interesting that Dable is hiring assistant, um, you know, position coaches before they had the coordinators in. Um, so I think like so Jerome Henderson was already here, and I believe his contract didn't necessarily terminate just because Joe Judges did. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I think that he was confirmed that he was keeping his job. And that may be done because he is a very good secondary coach and they didn't want him to leave. Yeah. I wonder if it's, you know, this might be splitting hairs a little bit, maybe not necessarily interviewing, but kind of fact gathering. Okay. Going through these, uh, you know, through the interview process. Yeah. I mean, that could be. I think that's likely. It doesn't make from an organizational standpoint any sense to have a subordinate, you know. Picking and choosing who he wants his boss to be. It's not, it's not oh, I, I th- he was involved in the interview process. I don't know that he was involved in the selection process. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he was involved. I guess he had like input into yeah. you know basically what some of the answers were, some of the questions maybe to ask him, and maybe some of the film stuff. I mean, like you know, I assume that in these interviews they have like some film things and they they ask them very pointed questions at times. You know. It's- Seem, yeah, it seems a little unusual, again, from an organizational standpoint, because when you're hiring these positions of, you know, higher up the food chain, they're going to be implementing their philosophy, their strategy, their vision, how they want to do things. So if, if you're talking about film study and you know, somebody's coming in and says, this is the way I want to do things, and if the subordinate is like, well, that seems weird to me, <laughs> it doesn't matter what he thinks anymore. It's what... You know that coordinator is going to say that it says goes. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. It 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 certainly sounds interesting to me. It's nothing like nothing I've ever really heard it, of. For nothing else, it sounds like well, okay. Well, you're still under contract, and before we let you go, we're going to give you something to do. So you're not just sitting around. Mm, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, it seems a little strange. Um. So let's move on to injury stuff here. So there were lots of guys in red jerseys. Now, to be clear, this is it's. 
it's June. You know what I mean? Like it's the very beginning of June. So when I say this, some guys are going to be at much different levels than other guys uh, in terms of their injury rehab process. Like Nick Gates, for instance, is probably way, 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 way further into the past or uh, further away from returning to playing football than, say, somebody like, uh, I don't know, Dexter Lawrence. Well. I mean, the bottom line is, again, this is June, like you said, and they're not doing anything really football activity related that much. There's no no sense at all of risking anything with guys unless they are 100% ready to go. Yeah, if there's so, if there's any any chance of things getting worse from doing it, then there's no reason to do it. Exactly. So so there's a lot of red jerseys to be handed out. So just uh, don't don't take this too seriously. But I'm going to run through the list of names, and they're in no particular order. They're just kind of random, actually. Kadarius Tony, uh, not surprising. It's Sterling right there. Yeah. As, soon as, you, as soon as that came out, everybody. First of all, when you hear, I, I thought this was pretty funny that you know when somebody said, "Well, KT has one." Like, well, which KT are we talking about now? Kayvon Thibodeau or Kadarius Tony? And the know. answer is both. Exactly, but now you have to be more specific when you say, oh, KT, because we, we had a KT last year, we have two this year, so and the answer, you're right, turned out to be both, but, you know, again, anything associated with, with Kadarius Tony is going to have everybody freak out, and, you know, I, and, I, and I know I am the resident uh, Kadarius Tony defender and apologist on this show, but again, just because he's wearing a red jersey in yeah. June does not mean anything. It's not. It's not related to an air gun he had six years ago at Florida. And it's not related to, you know, can it's, he read the playbook or not? It's also it's not just, related to any injury that he had last year. So exactly. it's not. A, it's not a further aggravation. And again, it may not even be an injury. Yeah. Like if this were a week four practice. He may be practicing all week. That's something to keep in mind with all of these red jerseys. If the name sounds like a surprise to you, there's a good chance that it's not major enough that would have held them out of a game. Hey, you know, uh, two weeks ago you were all mad because he's not going to show up for OTAs. Now he's there yeah. and that's the thing. So I mean, if you have a hard-on for the guy, you have a hard-on for the guy. And I don't know what to tell you about it, but uh, you know, this is just – it's an extra precaution for something that's four, uh, three, four months away from a regular season. That's it. That's it. So, uh, so besides Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, who obviously suffered Achilles injury very late last year, Richie James, uh, Colin Johnson, Andrew Thomas, who had like a, it sounded like a clean out style surgery. Uh, right. Otherwise, it's just it's kind of whatever. Nick Gates, who again may never yeah. play football again, for all I know. Uh, Matt Parrott, who is recovering from an ACL injury. Jameel Douglas, Dexter Lawrence. I don't even know the... the I, he, he is moving around and doing things in practice, so he's limited in practice with that red jersey. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, who just tweaked a little something and is doing work on the side and doing some drills. Blake Martinez returning from a week three ACL injury and is doing work. Cam mm-hmm. Brown, TJ Brunson, Rodarius Williams, Darren Evans... Uh, Rodarius Williams may actually play a pivotal role, so he's also recovering from an ACL injury that he sustained, I want to say, towards the middle of the season, but on the early side last year. One notable person that is not in a red precautionary jersey, Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux has been getting first team left guard reps. This was, and it was revealed that Bobby Johnson and Brian Dable actually had had interviews with him in the 2020 draft process two years ago. He actually thought that Buffalo was going to draft him. They didn't end up doing that. But now we can move into the offense here. So the Giants drafted uh, Josh Azudu, who played primarily primarily left guard, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. But he did play four positions, really three positions, left guard, left tackle, right tackle, um, and one start at – or one snap at right guard. So that really doesn't count. But extremely versatile versatile guy. Um, and now, now maybe – you know, maybe they really like Shane Lemieux more than we thought. Maybe he really does have a stranglehold on that left guard position. It's mm-hmm. important to note that he was kind of – I don't without opening a can of worms. Last year, the Giants really um, 
were banking on the offensive line that they created and the ideal starting offensive line being healthy and taking a step forward. Mm -hmm. And a big problem was that Shane Lemieux got hurt right around now. This is when he got hurt and never got right again. He didn't really participate much in training camp. He took, I think, one series at left guard in week one and was done for the year. So we don't even really know anything about Shane Lemieux right now. So the fact that the coaching staff is giving him every opportunity, and he's not, like I thought, so far anyway, not in a constant rotation with Josh Azudu, Ben Bredesen, Max Garcia. There is no constant rotation there. He seems to be running with the ones from everything I'm reading. Well, again, let's not get crazy because. Well, I'm not getting crazy. I just I do think it's interesting that they are giving him more of a chance than everybody else. Yeah, That's well, kind of indisputable. Yeah, I mean, the the benefit for a guy like Shane Lemieux is a new coaching staff is a clean slate, and if he's healthy, you know, not with the red jersey on, means he's ready to participate, and he and he gets that fresh opportunity. Um, you're right. That was the beginning of the end of this offensive line was him going down along with the centers going down and everything with Nick Gates going down as well. But um, I fully expect him, if he's healthy, to battle and compete for that left guard spot. And I, I would not be surprised if he wins it. No. Um, at this point, I would not. Well, I never would have been surprised if he won it, being that we didn't really know what he was going to be like last year. But um, I am surprised that they're giving him more of a shot than everybody else so far. Um, I'm just going to quick run through some alignments that we saw. A first-team alignment that we saw. Remember, Andrew Thomas had a red non-contact jersey, so for portions of practice, he was not there. And quite frankly, I'm completely fine with Oh, yes, me he's too. He's not a guy who's fighting for a position, you know, for a job. He's not fighting for a starting. Not, this is as cornerstone as this franchise as we have You know him. You know, Basically, the two tackles now. And you know something? If we're going to save a little wear and tear on his body for – drills in in june i'm fine with it yeah so um with him out there seemed to be a consistent first team starting line and that was from right to left now evan neal mark Lewinsky, john feliciano shane lemieux and then we're expecting andrew thomas there obviously so two guys that they worked in at left tackle were Corey cunningham with the first team and josh azudu very interesting. Um, I would not read too much into that. That probably will never happen. But it's interesting that they are flexing that versatility muscle with Josh. Josh. What what level of detail are they doing in these drills? I mean, we're not doing full. No, this is not. This is not. Massive are they even going against a defensive line? Yes. Okay, but they're not doing anything more than uh, dancing in shorts. Yeah, I believe. So. Yeah, just okay. dancing in shorts. Gotcha. Um, the second team stuff, that's where we're seeing a lot more um, shifting around. And I'm not going to get into second team stuff too much. But again, Ben Bredesen and Max Garcia are kind of – and Josh Azudu. They're all kind of rotating around that like left guard spot and their center spot. They're kind of fighting. Um, they're kind of working that stuff out. They're finding out who the second team guys are all over the place. But it seems like they already have an ideal first team set up. And I think that's kind of interesting. In regards to um, Evan Neal, you know, rookie on the offensive line, the guy that we're expecting the most out of, Mark Lewinsky, who's been playing next to him, called him dominant. Any thoughts? Remember, Glowinski well, is the lone vet on this team, too. Well, that's my expectation that he's going to be dominant. I mean, we if we go back to January, we thought he could have been the first pick in the draft. And if that's the case, I expect that offensive lineman to be dominant. So that's good. I mean, what I want to see now is, you know, if he comes in and shows a really good worth at work ethic. He's picking up, you know, whatever instruction on the first, you know, rep that has to be told re- repeatedly, told what to do, and you know, that's good. That's those are the things I want to hear. If we have domination on both sides of the line like that. That's huge cornerstones for building for the future. Yeah, and I, I kind of am. I mean, you, you know me, and uh, me in the right guard position. <laughs> I've, I've complained mm-hmm. about it for forever. But as long as I've known you, yeah. But see, most of the time, that was built on the philosophy that your right tackle was, you know, just manageable. You know, I, I, I think that you can get by with a manageable right tackle for cheap if you have yourself a you know a badass at right guard. But right now, the Giants have badasses 
we think, at both tackles. And if that's the route you go, I think they're really just a badass away at center, and you can kind of fudge the guards at that point. Once you have the edges and the middle shore up like that, like you get somebody like... I mean, I'm just not right now, but if you had a Jason Kelsey type player at center, a Pro Bowl center with those two guys at tackle, I think you can just plug in some basic bitch guards and have yourself a dominant offensive line. Well, the potential's there. I mean, you have to, it has to produce, and you have to see him actually do it on right. the field. But uh, we are set up for that, and that's right now in, in early June. That's all I can hope for is you know have the best potential for success. And I think we've, we've done that right now with, with both tackles. And, and just to kind of put a closing note on this Shane Lemieux, Josh Izudu thing, um, I'm trying my best not to forget that Shane Lemieux was taking some snapping stuff a couple of years ago to potentially move to center. So I wonder if that's the long game there. If Shane Lemieux, they like him enough to move him to center because that's the one spot that Josh Izudu did not play. So the theme of this is that almost every lineman in this rotation, if we're talking eight, nine deep, has a backup position they can play. Even the two tackles could switch from left yeah, to right. Yeah, that's true. Necessary. You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely. talking about guards who can be center, and you're talking about left guard can be right guard, and, and, and left guard could be center. So that's something where you know that could cover up for lack of depth. Also, is having the availability of switching around and being versatile to where. We need to plug them in also. If there's the number of guys that we can trust in that rotation is smaller than we'd like to be. It sounds like that circle of trust is getting a little bigger than it's been in the last couple of years, which is you know the most optimal. But you know, you can internally lower that circle of trust by guys if you can move them around to play multiple positions and keep them on the field. Absolutely. Versatility is is gonna be key, I think, especially in these early rebuilding years. <laughs> um one other little nugget here. Daniel Bellinger was getting a ton of reps, uh, I was reading, at tight end. Um, that's, I mean, we have ourselves a guy who can do some blocking and I think is more of a secret uh, at receiver, as a receiver in the tight end game as well. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how they use Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, I, the wide receiver room looks better on paper than I believe it to be on the field right now. I mean, mm. they're names, but... I'm a little worried about the production level we're going to get from these wide receivers. So anything we can get from the tight end room will make me feel better, and <laughs> especially early on. And so, or at least until I see things on the field. I see, I see Sterling Shepard actually back to 100%. I see you know, our two juke guys actually Duking. contributing more than just <laughs> occasional plays and stuff. Well, here's something else. Um, they are really working Saquon Barkley in the receiving game. Uh, I was reading that some of the reps also involve alignments where he's got Breda in the backfield, which is something I've always wondered. Like, if Saquon Barkley is this kind of, uh, like, offensive weapon more than he is just a running back, then why not have him not even line up as a running back and have another running back in the game? Or have two guys in the backfield? Why not? Part of what makes him so good is you don't really know how you need to defend him on certain plays. He's Is he going to run between the tackles or is he going to use speed outside? Or are you going to get him in space and throw him the ball? I mean, that's part of the thing. The more ambiguity you'd add, you'd think that you're helping to that, right? Well, for no other reason, it gives you more to prepare for during the week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, you, know, you, have to, you have to worry about it in an expanded playbook of where is this guy going to be? That's more time they're spending, you know, the coaches in the, in, the, in the film room and the guys on the practice field. You know, that's going to leave something that's not being 100% prepared for. So just the, just the appearance, you know, of you know, Saquon maybe, you know, lined up in the slot or maybe doing this or maybe doing that. It helps your advantage. Whether they actually do it or not is another matter. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, and I think... I think this shows to the creativity of the offensive minds that we have now versus I, – I, I don't want to continually shit on Jason Garrett. Um, but, but, but also but also Pat Shermer. I mean these are – are they not old heads of the you know off- the NFL offense world? Maybe. I, I don't look to them as being guys of the 21st century. OK. Yeah. And, and Pat Shermer I think is – better than Jason Garrett. I think he does a lot of things I agree with. But, I mean, he also wasn't using Saquon Barkley uber creatively or anything like that. We're not seeing any 
Kyle Shanahan, Debo Samuel shit, right? Yeah, well, well, also, though, you know, this may be the first time in quite a long time that Saquon Barkley is 100% healthy. Yeah, but he was healthy under Shermer. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, like, this is back to, you know, if, if we're talking really more, the, the complaints are more about Jason Garrett. No, I, I mean, yeah. I Yes, the complaints are more about Jason Garrett. And he was hurt during the whole time that Jason Garrett had. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um mm-hmm. But either way, this is still speaking, I think, to the creativity of the offensive minds. Is They're already using him more and seeing him in different spots than we've seen so far with him. And we've had four years with him. Well, also, I think, too, you know, I, you tell me, like, the wide receiver room back under Pratt Schirmer. How deep was it? Then? Is it oh, happen? yeah, that was not deep at all. Exactly. So. But you, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I... I, I see. I, I don't feel like the wide receiver room is that deep at all right now, and I think that's you know it's almost like a a, a necessary evil to have to use Saquon Barkley lined up more. Besides the fact that the skill set so unique and he can be successful catching the ball in the backfield, it's almost like you have to because you, again, like we were talking about the tight ends just before. I'm worried about the amount of weapons we have to make Daniel Jones successful until guys prove themselves, whether they're healthy again or they just prove themselves on this level to be good. And I think it's just necessary to have him out there because he's a guy who can catch the ball, can be very electric when healthy with the ball in his hands. So it just seems to make it's almost more of a necessity that they do it now than, you know, maybe before. Yeah. Um, especially especially when we are really, as much as we are trying to develop an offense, we are trying to do a, a true evaluation of Daniel Jones. I mean, that yes. window of time to do that is a finite amount of time. It's not like the offense is like, well... This offense over the next year or two is going to develop and get more players. We have to make a decision, Daniel Jones, by next year. And we need to accelerate that. So I think that's part of the process. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and, and I think Barkley has only really had that, that first year where he was he had Beckham on the team that he really had a good wide receiver room and he was healthy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then the following year he got hurt, right? the second year he got hurt and Beckham was already traded and they replaced him with Golden Tate and that's a huge downgrade and ever since then we've had a worse wide receiver room so Mm -hmm. that stands to reason piggybacking off what you're saying about Daniel Jones one little note um, and it's a little note because I don't really know different beat writers were saying different things and I don't know how much they can see and how much football stuff they really know to be accurately describing but Jones continues to do a lot of work with his legs um, he's moving around a lot. He's running a lot of RPO. These are things that I was reading. Um, movement in the pocket. A lot of emphasis on him using his legs. And so, again, that seems to be part of their evaluation of Daniel Jones. They're going to continue using his legs in different ways. I just don't know if it's going to continue being those zone read runs or if they want him moving around behind the line of scrimmage more, rolling pockets out, um, and use, utilizing his legs in that Remember, Mike Kafka is the is the quarterbacks coach now. So, like you know, Patrick Mahomes does a lot of pocket manipulation and moving around behind the line of scrimmage, as well as controlled runs. So, I mean, I I don't really know what it is, but they are definitely going to continue using his legs. I think a lot of it comes back to what they tried to do in the off season. It was you know they had conversations with everybody in the offense and like what do you, especially the quarterbacks and him you know. What do you like to do? What are you most comfortable with? What in the playbook are you most comfortable running? What type of offense are you comfortable running? And they're going to build an offense around the strengths and the preferences and the comfort level of their quarterback. So, you know, the fact that he's doing a lot of, uh, you know, movement back there, whether it's designated run plays or just, you know, moving around, being comfortable, it might be what he prefers to be. It might be part of that feedback also that he's provided. That yeah, make it more successful. Yeah, that, that could be. Um, I just, you know, I wonder how much of that. And remember, also, Dable and them—they they come from the Josh Allen, as well. And also, I think too that you know, until this offensive line shows it on the field that they're improved, it's a question mark. Yeah, you know, we we have a new right tackle who's going to be a rookie. We're we're we said a bunch of names. You know, Shane Lemieux hasn't played in a year. This might be a little bit of a. A safety for the, the offensive line until they really start gelling. It's not, not going to be ready on week one and be like, okay, we're five, uh, you know, blocks of granite ready to block. It's That's a good a point time for them. Also, I didn't and, think about that. Yeah, and having him being at least a little bit, you know, mobile just to kind of 
buy an extra second or two for for somebody or whatever, I think it helps them as well. Same as having you know, tight ends that it can that can help block a little bit more. That you know, working on that room as well. So I think it, it's all part of that build and install of these new you know offensive system that we're doing going forward and getting comfortable with everything. Switching over to the defense, there's a lot less to talk about here. Um, okay. Most of what the defense uh, alignments are in two, four, five formations. So as expected with Wink Martindale, this puts a lot of DBs on the field and uh, less emphasis on the big guys up front. And uh, instead, you know, getting to the quarterback with the athletes, whether that be at edge, at you know, off-ball linebacker, or the the secondary. Um, so just a couple of the, the lines that we saw, the the rotations we saw were Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams on the defensive line, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari on the outside with Martinez and Crowder in the middle, and then on the perimeter, Adoree Jackson and Aaron Robinson with Darnay Holmes in the slot and McKinney and Love back deep. That's not really... That's not too bad. I mean... Do, does anything stick out to you as being an obvious weak spot? The secondary scares me a little bit. The secondary scares me a lot. I mean, I, I'm yeah. okay with Darnay Holmes in the slot. That's fine. I'm, I really am. I'm okay with Darnay Holmes there. He's going to struggle a little bit, but he's not. He's not bad. It's just Aaron Robinson as a starter on the outside. I don't love. I think he can do it. Um. But I just like him so much more in the slot. I think he's a starter in the slot, and he's a backup on the outside. I think it's something we're going to have to deal with in 2022 until we can have the opportunity to upgrade that position next year via drafts or free agency. I, I, I think he gets some help with, you know, what I like to hear as you're rattling off those names that all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, the guys up front, the, the Dexter Lawrence's and the, mm-hmm. the Willard Williams. Then you talk about Zizo Lari and um, Kayvon Thibodeau. All of a sudden, that sounds threatening well also i also think that guys like tay crowder when you have those guys up front if you send tay crowder in on a blitz i think fans are gonna like him a little bit more you know doing things like that like letting him play more downhill that's what he's a little bit better at and i think when you have when he has guys around him or sorry in front of him that are doing better work than what he's used to i think he'll make more splash plays yeah i i I just Again, as you rattle off those names in the front, it just made me feel like the secondary is going to have some help. They're not going to be mm-hmm. on an island by themselves where they're going to, you know, quarterbacks going to have all day to throw. He's going to pick them apart. I, I think it's uh, – they'll be put in the best position to succeed whether they're the guys they do or it's going to be a separate issue. And, I'm, again, I am going to – there's going to be some teams we're going to play against. I'm going to be, probably be awake on Saturday night before the game because of them. But, again – I think these are stopgap guys as we build this this secondary. So nothing is frightening to me. Yeah. Well, what is frightening to me is is the fact that, like, you know, the starting corner is someone I'm really worried about. Um, And on top of that, every member of our secondary has, like, an injury history. So if I don't even feel good about our second starting corner, I certainly don't feel good about our backups. Here's my justification is that, you know, I, we're both alike that, you know, we knew we couldn't fix everything all yeah. in one year. Yeah, exactly. And as I sit here, you know, in the first, you're listening to this, the first Monday of June, I, I don't, I don't go back and say, well, instead of taking this guy, you know, in, in the draft or signing this guy, we should have did this in the secondary. I'm comfortable with what we've done that we're just going to live with it for now. And it's the best we can do in the situation that we were put under. So, you know, there's again, no timetable that we have to win the Super Bowl this year. It's not, this roster rebuild is not going to be completed this year. You could do the best you can. And this is unfortunately the consequence of the mistakes that were made and the bad decisions and the bad luck we may have had. And it's just like, all right, that, that's fine. We'll deal with it this year. And we don't have nearly as long of a laundry list next off season of things that must be addressed you know, red flags, you know, sirens, blaring problems next year that we did this year. So we can target and address next year. That's how I'm going to get yeah. through this season without, you know, banging my head against the wall. I time. absolutely agree with you. We knew we knew that there was going to be an issue. It just seems weird that the that we hired Wink Martindale and didn't give him a secondary. 
but but either way well we didn't we didn't hire wink martindale in a one-year contract and say you have one year with us that's true too yeah. is we are going to build a roster around him he's going to be here for a few years so that by weeks by year three maybe even a little sooner he has all the pieces that he can fully implement his defense and you have a, a second a, a, a coordinator that we'd be very excited about and be a very exciting defense and create a lot of havoc but again you we didn't build this roster for one year we didn't hire coaches for one year so i'm okay with all that notable guys notable rookies on the second team defense are um inside linebacker micah mcfadden got second team reps at um cordell flott got second team slot reps dane belton got second team safety reps uh and it's important to note that these guys are mid-round uh rookies McFadden, Flott, Belton, you know, fourth. Who is not playing due to red uh, red jerseys or otherwise? Who's missing? Uh, I think just Rodarius Williams. Okay, so that's interesting then. So it's not like, well, they're playing because half the secondary is not, is, you know, on the bicycle or something. Um. Yeah, no. Uh, so so those guys, they, they're they getting second team reps. They're mid-round draft pick guys. That's probably where they belong. They shouldn't mm-hmm. be handed anything. Now you throw them in with the second team and you see where they kind of fit on your roster. And I think that's a good idea. Um, guys like that may get elevated. You know, Mike Mc, Micah McFadden by training camp might start getting more and more first team reps in Tay Crowder's place or in Blake Martinez's place based on however he's recovering from his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Cordell Flott might get slot team reps in the, you know, in, in first team slot reps in place of Darnay Holmes, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, you know, Personally, I still think Cordell Flott has outside man cover skills, but but he's also really young. They can take their time with him. Dane Belton, he might wind up getting some like third safety reps that, that come in a dime also, nickel situations, you know? Let's think about this. The last opportunity you have to shape your roster comes during training camp cutdowns, right? So you're taking an educated guess with mid late round draft picks. Are these guys are going to stick around as just being guys who are going to do reps during training camp and then get rid of them or are they really going to stick? So I think you'd want to see these guys more often than not to see what you're dealing with. So if you have to, you can have more of a plan going into, you know, after cut down day of guys, you may want to pick up of real needs you might have like, Oh, we need a second team slot corner. It's not working out these guys we have. So I think putting them in the position, you can see them as much as possible. And these OTAs, you know, we kind of made fun of them before. They still are, are important to coaches. I, I think that that's why you're going to see these guys maybe more than we thought, just to test as much and have as much information to say, do we need to move on from them or not earlier or not? Yeah, and I think that um, depth charts right now obviously don't mean anything. I know I'm no. kind of focusing a lot on that, but only because I, w- I expected a lot more cycling right now, and there are certain guys that are not cycling as much as I really thought they were. You know, Shane Lemieux kind of being given that left guard spot versus Aaron Robinson and uh, Michael Jaquette are kind of rotating that first corner spot gives you a different sense of confidence for the two question mark positions on the roster, right? Well, here's what I would say to that is this is the first year that this coaching staff is running their OTA program. We don't know what they are looking for or what they're trying to do. Also true. I, I, I think once we get into like the third and fourth year and we see patterns of things, like okay you know this is the this is the corner they're looking at for this reason or this is how they run their otas or mm-hmm. yeah you know they may be more rookie heavy because they want to instill the reps on how things will be done as opposed to guys who've been around a little longer may get a little bit of benefit we don't know exactly yet and i think i i wouldn't read too much into that now especially because we're still a little ambiguous of what they're trying to do right exactly um so, so guys like that might move up and down the depth chart in training camp when it starts to be more important. So don't be surprised if come late July, Cordell Flott is still in the second team, but, you know, Jaquette is getting all the first team reps in place of Aaron Robinson uh, at, at corner. Or, you know, I don't know, if, if maybe Josh Azudu is suddenly getting more first team training camp reps than Shane Lemieux. 
uh, it's it's not going to be overly surprising if anything like that happens. Yeah, I'm going to kind of withhold judgment. I think that, I think for the first preseason game, you're going to get a, the first real look of what the coaches think, and they're going to have enough body of work from a whole summer. That's what the first time we were looking at it and saying, okay, these are the real battles. This is what's really going to happen. So yeah, um, it yeah, I mean that's that's really kind of it for now, based on what we got out of. The OTAs, um, like I said, mandatory minicamp is this week, the 7th, 8th, and 9th of June. Mm-hmm. And then we are kind of just in purgatory until late <laughs> July. We've been in purgatory about a decade. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. There's more, more important than that, obviously. The USFL playoffs and championship will be going on. So we'll have episodes. We'll have stuff to talk Fuck about. That. Let's talk about what's seriously important to everybody out there. <laughs> I am, you know, I just came back six hours ago from France. In 17 hours, I board a plane down to Tampa for game four for Lightning Rangers. That's that's what we're all interested in right now. Everybody, you know, everybody who's an earshot of this, either the three of you that are Lightning fans or the rest of the audience that are Ranger fans. So that is what's exciting right now. I'm sorry, Grump, that you're a Devil fan and your season ended in January, but... uh I just want all the Ranger fans to know out there, I do love you all. I know, you know, it's all been good fun. Don't take it personally, anything I say. But this series is not over, as I try to tell everybody after game one and game two. I know you guys are all in love with Igor as your goalie. You think he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. We have our own Jesus also behind the pipes. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't love you. <laughs> he doesn't love you. So, um, no, it's all been fun. Um, you know, hit me up as always at the Cranky Fan if you want to talk hockey during this uh, civil war of the Just Giants fan base with one of its uh, hosts. But um, it's all been it's all been great. Yeah, and as always, follow me at football underscore grump, where I am probably the leading beat reporter for the New Jersey jo- Devil, uh, New Jersey Devils, <laughs> New Jersey Generals. I'm probably the only one tweeting about the New Jersey Generals, um, and I'm I, I'm. Has there I, been any Herschel Walker uh, like running backs on this team? Dude, I, I there is New Jersey has a legit Darius Victor is a legit NFL running back, so. I, I, you think I'm kidding around, but like, so he was signed to the New Orleans Saints, where he was behind a roster of Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, and Alvin Kamara. So he didn't make that team, and then signed to the and XFL. Thirty-one other teams passed. No, 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 no. Then, then the pandemic. He signed to an XFL roster when he was a, la- a late cut, and then the pandemic shut down the XFL. So he didn't. This is his first action since he signed to the Saints. And he leads the league in rushing. But, dude, you have to – go go ahead. I'll send you clips. You'll see. He's He could be a legit NFL running back. I'm not – he looks like Maurice Jones-Drew. He just runs people over. He's uh, running against tackling dummies in the USFL, isn't he? Uh, I don't know, man. There, there's a certain – he. so the fact that he's dominating them, doesn't that mean that he is like – the king of the dipshits? Well, does that not mean that he is too good for that league and belongs elsewhere? If he were that good, if this were a school, wouldn't you move him up a grade? Yeah, but I'd move him from third grade to fourth grade, not third grade to college. Uh, um, I don't know, man. Okay, so but you have to look at, at football in, as an individual position kind of thing. You know, running back... The level of difference there... If, well, let me ask you a question. Let's, let's get a little more general with this since we're... First of all, no pun intended. And second of all, we're trying to talking about this. As one of the four people watching this league, the overall level of play, talent level, I mean, what are we looking at here? It, it, so the teams, some individual, if you look at it like me, you'll see individuals even on the bad teams that are good. The problem with these teams is that this was their first year. And... It all hinges on their quarterback selection. So the teams that are bad are really bad because they banked on former NFL names like Clayton Thorson and Kyle Lauletta at quarterback. And spoiler, they were bad for a reason. (laughs) So those teams that have no answer at quarterback, 
those teams are really, really bad. And it's going to be difficult. You'd have to look at it with an analytical eye to see the players that are good. But the teams that nailed the quarterback position and just got a guy that was capable, that they could work with and could run an offense that they could design, they have an actually good team that make it easier for you to see the guys that stand out. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, so like, so, so like when people say like, has the product gotten better? It's like when you get the right two teams playing against each other. Yes, even the bad teams have good guys. They just fucked up the quarterback spot. That's really it. What are there four teams in this league right now? Eight. There's, There's eight. eight. Okay, so it's not too too big. Has the level of play is it better than what you saw from the XFL? Yes, but I remember the XFL was only like three weeks, wasn't it? Or what about the other league that was out there? Yes, it's definitely better than the AAF. Also, the rules are less silly. Um, they seem to be testing out little things, but mostly just pro-style rules and pro-style gameplay. And um, th- and also, like as they've figured out their rosters, the league has gotten better since week one, two, and three. You know what I mean? Like They kind of did their own real quick shuffling at the beginning of the season, the same way the NFL did. And I noticed there's going to be an XFL again next year, and they just announced some coaches, and they're like real names. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 somebody somebody said, like postulated that there's a chance that the two leagues could merge as a minor league for the NFL. Well, I mean, because they both have legit money. One's backed by Fox Sports, and the other's backed by The Rock, <laughs> who has who he like grossed the most money of all actors like two years ago. Yeah. So I mean, I. The thought of a minor league, I mean, it, I think it's helped the NBA having the G League, having a, a, an organized league where you can pull players and, and help their development. I do too. Um, and the fact now, that it happens in spring means you get to know what these guys are like before cutdown day in training camp, before training camp even starts. I think it's a cool idea. You, know, you don't have to watch it. You know, what I mean? <laughs> nobody well, watches the D League. If you have to watch it, or else the league goes away because it's all dependent. Well, on true, yeah. So they're kind of banking on you. You have to watch it. Well, I'm doing my part. You're welcome, everybody. They're all playing in Birmingham, so it's like they don't care about attendance. It's, you know. Yeah, they're doing that to start up. Yeah, you're right. It's like wrestling. You know, it doesn't matter where it. It's just ambiguously where it is. It's just that it's on TV. Yeah. In any case, I didn't mean for that to be a whole thing. Please, 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 we will see you all next week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and most importantly on YouTube, we will have our big 300th episode with all our special guests. So please, 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 please uh, follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on YouTube so you guys can see that when it drops next week. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, if you could smash that subscribe button, we just hit a milestone for the number of subscribers, which we really appreciate and I still can't believe anybody listens to us. Me too. Um, You know, Hit that subscribe button. If you're on iTunes, you know, give us a five-star rating and a happy review. You can say what kind of a dick I am for all the things that you know you don't like about me. That's completely fine. Um, but no, that, we really appreciate all the support. And uh, we have a very, very special show this week coming up. I think you'll everybody will really love. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately excited to do it. Yeah, I think it's something that, uh, you know, We'll be proud of this one. This will be one you'll really, really enjoy. So So we hope to see you all next week. Please don't freak out at any minicamp stuff. And we will see you all then. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Bolts. (laughs) 